Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And joining me here this morning is Monty. Um, Monty, are you ready? Ready more than ever. All right, wonderful. Well, starting off with the first question. Was that a performance worthy of title challenges? Yeah. Satisfied with Jesus' performance despite not scoring? Yeah, somewhat, yeah. And was that a mirage of set pieces or have Arsenal finally found the winning formula to scoring goals? Can I say a bit of both? You can indeed. I will let you on this occasion say a little bit of both because I think you're right. It was a little bit Mm -hmm. of both. Um, Monty, how are you doing? You were obviously at the game yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are recording the morning after. Um, So excuse the croaky voice. I was up very, very early to rewatch the game. Um, I had a guest over. I had a friend, good friend over. Um, I got a very small circle of friends. I actually joke around with some people and, you know, um, make the point that I've only got one friend who I see every few months. And um, yeah, he was over yesterday. (laughs) Say that again. Life of a dad now, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Life of a dad. And um, uh, yeah, so we were watching the game. It was just very distracting watching the game with someone. So um, woke up very early to rewatch it. Very sharp um, with the analysis today, hopefully. Uh, but obviously you were there at the game. So you saw everything with, you know, from a bird's eye view. Um, how was it? How was the performance? And most importantly, how are you? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm well. I'm well, thank you. So I think like like yourself, probably just happy the football's back especially considering the last game we had we, it was on a loss and an awful loss at that um it was mm. kind of just it was it was like a an itch in the back of my neck you know it was just constantly i just wanted to alleviate it and uh get rid of it um but no it seems like the the rest did did a did a wonder i think on, on all of us um so yeah it, it kind of good good to come back and click well um yeah the game yesterday was amazing um, I think what what I've said over the, the sort of the last few weeks, there was a couple of implement, implementations that we've mentioned on the lineup, uh, which were key, um, especially being with that sort of Martinelli. If you, if you bench him, you get the best of him, um, which was great to see. Uh, and, and they just seemed to click. Like I remember when you asked that, the last question, you said, was it more... Uh, we've now found the secret formula, the score was it set pieces. I just think there was a, a genuine desire and there was there was more calmness about it. I feel like the sort of the last three to four games in December, there was a bit of tiredness, a bit of fatigue, a bit of frustration um, because it was just so constant. It was just nonstop. It was every three, three days. So we've had, we've had time to have a chill. You've got Yuri and Timber coming back into training on the ball. You've got a uh, party looking to come back soon as well so yeah we're, we're, we're looking well and set up I think now it's just a case of um, we we put another good result against Forest. doesn't need to be 5-0 a nice 2-0 or clean sheet at least and then we've got the big one um, coming up against uh, against Liverpool so yeah I'm, I'm well uh, we're all set up well I think the game yesterday was great and we're going to break it all down um, and I'm just hoping that now going forward 
we 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 have that confidence. It, it, it seemed like yesterday we had a swagger about us again, like we that we did that we kind of used to of these sort of last season season and a half, two seasons. Uh, we sort of lost um, sort of towards the end of last season, and we lost at the sort of Christmas period this year. Um, so it's it's good to see that we 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 had it back and came straight, and we were long overdue a slapping. It's been, it's been a while since we've mm. slapped a team in the league anyway. Like I mean, obviously we had the Lons game earlier this year, but oh, I don't know, we, we kept getting two nils, two runs, last minute goals. And we need, I, I wanted just for pure sanity and, and just to keep it in, I wanted a nice, good result today. A lot of people I was speaking to prior to the game said they, they were predicting three nils, four nils. A good friend of mine was saying four nil. I personally thought it was going to be a two one. I thought maybe we weren't going to come out flying, but we did. We just did. And then Martinelli, like I said, if you if you bring him on late, he will he it's like he had it's like he had a chip on his shoulder when he came on. It was like, fuck mm. you. Where why have you benched me? So um yeah, no, it's really good to see. How how are you though, Farron? Yeah, I'm 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 good. I'm good. I've been a little bit disattached from Arsenal, obviously, since the break. Um, warm winter training and all that weird stuff. So, um, and you know, we have to remind ourselves as well, we're in the middle of a of a transfer window, one which is um which doesn't really involve us because it seems as if Arsenal don't want to do any business. Who knows? I mean, come the um right the the death of it, right, the last few hours maybe we make a deadline day uh signing but um yeah look ultimately very very happy to see us back and you know I was of the position um that we needed to win comfortably we needed to win by four or five um if we wanted to kind of be taken seriously as a potential title challenger and I know I know that seems um like uh an, an, an age away um it's funny, isn't it? Like a few weeks before, um, you know, I'm saying I'm talking before the 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 break, mm. uh, before the West Ham defeat, before the Fulham defeat. We were very much favourites. You know, we were at the top, um, having drawn away to Liverpool, and then those two defeats just really threw us off. So it just shows how unpredictable the Premier League is. It just shows um, how you know, open it is as well this season. So taking everything with a pinch of salt, but very, very encouraging um, to see us beat Palace in in, in the manner that we did. Um, and, you know, we were just talking before press the record button. The goal difference is looking really healthy as well. Three away from both City and Liverpool who are, who are on 25. Um, I, I do see a lot of twists and turns in this second half of the season. But if Arsenal and the attitude that I saw, the the body language and just, um, yeah, the, um, I guess the togetherness, but also the determination that I saw from everyone on the pitch reflects potentially a really long run of winning games. Maybe we replicate something that City did last season. Maybe we've, we've tasted, um, the you know we've licked our wounds if you want to put it that way um early on in the season and and, and now we're, we're determined to just go in a man you know? city charge um, yeah heads down mm. go on a charge and 
really prove to ourselves that we are good enough. Um, but before we look ahead, let's talk about Palace and let's talk about how well we did and, you know, how dominant we were from the first minute to the 90th. I don't think Palace um, troubled us in any moment of the game, really. I mean, usually football matches are broken down into into phases, into stages where you have dominance and other team, the opposition, sorry, is then given, given a little bit. I didn't feel at any moment that Palace were in it or they were going to create any... Um, noteworthy you know moments to other other than you know Raya's own um undoing where you know he gives the ball out to um Lerma I, I, there was there was not really any other moment mm. um but before we talk about the game how did you how did you make of the starting lineup some bold decisions from Mikel Arteta really only one but some were surprised to see Zinchenko back in the starting lineup mm-hmm. again um, with Tomiyasu out for the Asia Cup, not really uh, much he could have done there. The big one being, though, um, Trossard in for Martinelli. Right, like a charm. Um, I think it was, it was probably the the lineup I would have gone with. Um, there, there was nothing else I would have changed really, bar Ramsdale and goal. But we can talk about that all day. Um, with Zinni, I like because when you. Although Zinni defensively isn't as solid um, as say like well, I would still like to say Kivio, but he's been a bit he's been a bit flaky and or like a Tommy Asu per se. What Zinni can do going forward, and I saw it a lot yesterday, when he comes inside, he's so calm. He's so calm and he knows how to curve the ball around um, like the midfielders. We can whip it straight out to the to the wingers. Uh, and it's something that sort of Kivio just doesn't have in his in his locker. Um, he's more of a sort of a Solid defender. He hasn't got the sort of the the the, the and, and do you know what game reminds me is is when um we were against Liverpool and he instead of doing like a nice pass straight to Nelson down the wing, he just pings it like far way too far. Whereas Zinni would have nailed it, got it, got it in, in his stride. Um so he just offers something different. So when we're up against a team that's per se worse than us, that are gonna more likely trying to def- like block and put a park the bus per se. Uh, Zinni is better for that because he can add that extra body and he can do it with confidence uh, and and shift people around. So I like that. Um, and like I said, I, I mean, I've I've told you now probably what the last four games Martinelli needs mm. to be benched, and, and it's not because I don't like him. I think he's I think he probably has the highest ceiling out of the players in in the club. Him and Saka, their ceiling is is enormous. But I think Martinelli. Because he's he was just so raw. I think he has so much potential. Like it's more this sort of the, the mental side. We know he has the talent with his feet. It's more the mental side of his game. But I, he needed to be benched because I felt like he was. It was like he was trying to force things. He kept trying to force things in games, and and, and that he, he was putting pressure on himself that he didn't need to put on, and make maybe just a bit more rash decisions. And I think him. Benching him for Trossard because Trossard is is an experienced player. I mean, what Trossard's what 27, 28? He's much, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite old now. Yeah, he's older than him. He's been around the league. He knows that you can't make silly errors. You need to be clinical. Twenty nine, twenty nine. So, I mean, he's been around the league a lot. Um, and what what you saw from Trossard is that he he didn't really make any wrong decisions. He made the right passes. He knew when to chase. He knew when to come back. Um, gets his goal as well. 
brilliant pass from from Jesus as well. Cuts inside, scores and gets his goal. And then with Martinelli coming on, imagine you're the right back and you, you've just been defending against a tricky Trossard all day. And then you go, fuck, you know, I've got Martinelli to deal with now. Like, And he's so direct. Like we saw when he came on against Liverpool, he, he put Trent Alexander-Arnold on toast. Put him on toast mm. twice in a matter of five minutes. Um, and that's what we saw. That's what we saw with Martinelli. And it, it was more a case of a, he he felt like, why have you benched me? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm I'm the baller. Like, and, mm. and I think what that's done for him coming back on, it, it's given him a lot of confidence. So, <clears throat> no, I really liked it. I think Arteta got his spot on uh, with the lineup. Um, I don't think he could have got any better. Uh, the only the only thing I maybe would have want to seen is potentially Smith Rowe for Havertz, but you know what? Havertz did a he did a good job as well, um, sort of acting as a big body because Crystal Palace are quite a physical team. Um, and when you looked at the centre backs as well, Gabriel and um, Saliba, they were well up to the challenge. Mateo is a big guy. I didn't actually realise how tall he was until I actually saw him at sort of head height, and I was like. Yo, he's actually quite tall. Um, so yeah, they were well up for it physic physic physically. And um it was a very physical game. Uh, and then we sort of imposed ourselves within the first 10 minutes of the game. And that that's sort of like you said, they never they didn't have anything. After that, they they really didn't have a sniff until maybe the last 10 minutes of the game, and then we just snuffed that out. Martinelli comes on, gets a goal, gets two goals actually, and um that was it. Game was done. But what about you? Did you have any yeah, changes? The, anything anything new you'd like to have seen? No, not really. Um, like I said, I, you know, for like a broken record, I say this almost every episode, but um, I don't really tend to look at starting lineups anymore. I think everyone's so good. Everyone's at such a high quality. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, either, either circumstances which force the manager to play certain individuals or um, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we, we, we have the right personnel. Um, I, I really... I'm itching to see, and I'm sure we'll speak about him um, later on in the podcast, but I'm itching to see Emil Smith-Rowe start. Um, and yeah, Reese Nelson, I would have, I, I, I'd really like to see him get more game time as well. Maybe not a start, but um, other than Smith-Rowe, and I guess after this performance, looking ahead to Nottingham Forest, maybe then we can start asking questions um, about potentially starting Smith-Rowe, but yeah, other than that, really, really happy, really strong starting lineup. Whether you play Trossard there or Martinelli, they both do a, a pretty good job. Both contrasting players who complement each other. Um, we've we we seem to have found our trio in midfield as well. And if you don't play Bakaya Saka, who do you play? And if you don't play Jesus, the alternative is an Eddie Nketiah, which. Um, I think the less said about that, the better. So uh, let's talk about the first opening exchanges, the first 10 minutes in which there was a goal to talk about. Um, but yeah, I noticed almost from the very first minute, a clear intent to move the ball forward. Um, uh, ben White trying to f- uh, thread a ball into Saka, which re- is really positive. It shows me that, you know, the boys are desperate to um, get into those those uh, those danger spaces, into the final third. Um, I really enjoyed watching Martin Odegaard as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to talk about Odegaard in more detail as we, you know, uh, progress into the podcast because he had a really interesting role to play, something that uh, I haven't seen much from him, his ability to to come in deep and um, um, be involved with the build up 
in our defensive half is, uh, I don't know about you, but that was the first time that I kind of noticed that. Um, but yeah, really positive exchanges from him as well. Really intense in the opening couple of minutes, chasing the ball, closing down the spaces. Um, Palace were in a completely different lane to us. They were um, first time, or not, maybe not first time, but there are many few teams who decide to just sit off and be as... Um, one dimension was as, as they were. Us, on the other hand, it looked like there was a real sense of unison with the way that we were moving um, as a group with and without the ball. Like everyone was reading each other, each other's moves really well. And we were playing as, as if we were one group. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the point at the beginning that it looked like that we, were, we just clicked um, in comparison to the first in December, you know, in the entirety of December, where things just looked a little bit leggy, a little bit heavy, disjointed. We was, I mean, and it, I guess it speaks to the quality of our football and what Arteta has managed to do in such a short period of time. Because even despite um, not looking our best, we were still able to play really good football. We were still able to generate X amount of chances on goal, but still there was some that that little something missing. Mm. Um, Today, uh, or you know, against Palace, um, it was all of that. But there was that click. There was that. I don't know. It just looked good on the eye, and it seemed like everyone was just on the same page. Um, and chances being generated as well, very very early on. So I think um, ball uh, comes to Odegaard into the box, doesn't take the shot. Worrying for me when I saw that, I just thought hallmarks of <laughs> yeah. everything we had seen yeah. in December um, not being able to you know strike and, and release the he hates that left um, foot. trigger uh, the right, he hates right it foot, I, I, right foot sorry the right foot yeah the right foot and I, I just don't understand it I mean you're such a capable player you're so good technically you're you know you've got everything else just work on that le- on that right foot mm-hmm. and the moment he works on it I say he'll, he'll, he'll unlock a different kind of level um, how did you find the there was there was some kind of loose passes in the opening five yeah, minutes, which I noticed. Yeah, um, yeah, and I've I've I don't know. It didn't sit right with me, but I didn't dwell on it too much because we were playing so well. Yeah. But oftentimes when Arsenal do, we tend to brush those things under the carpet and they creep back up into the game as we kind of find ourselves one nil up and mm-hmm. we, we feel comfortable. And it's those kind of things that I guess. Um, you know, downplay all the good things. Did you, did you, did you look at those moments and think, oh, you know, a bit sloppy and, you know, maybe we need to um, start cutting those errors out? Do you think that's the kind of, that's the next level for us? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, I was, I remember watching, I remember sort of the Zinni one um, and Declan Rice, it was just simple passes. There was like, I think it was Declan Rice to Ben White completely just under, undercooked mm. it, Zinni overcooked it. Um, but I think, and when I look back, it was hindsight per se. Um, I think that was down to the fact that maybe Arteta said, play just a bit more flair. Stop being so regimented and, and maybe just play a bit more flair. And obviously we haven't um, played in a few weeks. We had a bit of a break. Uh, so when when they've come back, they, they've tried to do these things and didn't quite click. But towards the end of the game, there was none of those. But I did notice them off the bat and I was like, oh, it's a bit ropey. I think Declan, I said, I said, I think it's like the 40th minute. I was like, Declan Rice is having a, a bit of a stink here because I counted him mislaying four passes. Uh, Zinni mislaid two. And it was worrying at the start because I was like, oh, here we go. I, I was expecting like a, a, a poor pass, Palace to counter. 
get a, a muggy goal that they, was completely against a run of play. Um, but they didn't. And and what, what I liked, this is with hindsight, I liked the fact that they kept trying those passes. They kept trying to, because they were always constantly trying to go forward. Do you know what I mean? They were always in, in spaces and it's just the other player wasn't making that run. Uh, there was one sort of later on in the game that was like, I think Zinni tried to to lay one behind uh, wrap around the corner of the fullback and try to put it in, but Martin then he stopped running inwards and he started straightening in his run. So it, they didn't quite meet up. But I like the fact that he did that. It, it, it's a pass that you should always be doing all the time because it's it's, it's pretty much guaranteed success uh, to get around that player. Um, so I'm not I'm not too concerned, but I think going into say a game like Liverpool in a few weeks, we need to iron that out because if we if we make that 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 pass and and you know you've got uh, Endo comes in sweeps it up gives it to Yotta and Yotta flies it up to to Nunez um you're in trouble you, you you're in trouble it's as simple as that and I kind of look at it as that we've got this game this game was to sort of iron out and get back and back the confidence not in the forest is to oil the machine and really just get it flowing and and start banging getting the goals in and in Liverpool we need to be on our A game we need to be on our A game simple as there's there's no about it and well we can talk about the A game and I noticed considering I think it, what I think it was what it was 61 shots that we created over those three games we lost wasn't it not I think it was a 61 61 shots and one goal scored or it was something silly like that we still today mm. and I remember that, that was one of the things we spoke of we, ne- we were never found out we were never sussed as a club like we were kept constantly creating chances but we had 21 shots five shots six shots on target and five goals there was only one save in that whole game. Um, and when you look at Jesus as well, I think Jesus was a, uh, I think he was actually, and I remember you asked me earlier, is that sort of a good Jesus performance? And I think it was, it was class, or statistically, <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, statistically, it, w- it was actually really good because I think um, someone, I read on Twitter that he never got dispossessed he he didn't um he he was successful in every tackle um that he'd done he was also successful in every pass and every dribble he he, he literally was flawless in that regard um but the only thing that annoys me about Jesus is why can't he score <laughs> like I, I i he's our striker i know and i get goals can come around the squad and that's absolutely fine as long as that's happening i don't mind it but i just want it, do you know what i mean i just want like our striker to score I don't. I, I might be old school, but I feel like the goals should predominantly come through them, and I feel like when they do come from them, it it makes you feel a lot calmer because when they come from elsewhere, it's more of a surprise. Do you know what I mean? Not not uh, sort of expected. Like, are we, I don't think we'll ever get like a twenty goals season from Jesus person. You're muted. Sorry, yeah, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> so the baby was the baby was cooing away, so I thought I'd um, <laughs> uh, mute myself. No, worry. Um, no, I was just I was just saying um, he did have an opportunity before we scored the goal. Yeah. It was a really really lovely move as well. Zinchenko with a lovely chip pass into Havertz, quick as well. Plays it into the path. Yeah, really quick. Plays it into the path. Odegaard. Odegaard then plays a another kind of a dinked pass into Havertz. Puts the pressure on the defender who 
clears it only as far as Jesus and he skies the shot. I don't know whether it's a case of composure, whether it's a case of confidence. I'm, I'm quite sure that it is more, more so the confidence than anything else because we saw what happened with Martinelli when he came on. The first goal was a scuffed shot, let's be honest. The second one was delightful. You know, mm. it was hit with conviction. It was a real kind of striker's finish. But um, I just think Jesus needs that one goal. Yeah. Um, but I, how long have we been saying that about him? You know, mm. we've been saying that about him for so long. He just needs that one goal. He gets that one goal and then he goes missing for the next, you know, four or five games. Um, and I was, I was I was watching the game with my friend and he said, you know what? I think Jesus performs at his optimum when he is played out wide. And I think I tend to agree because he seems like one of those players who loves to cut in and loves to have a, a have a shot on goal when 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 an opportunity presents itself. And he's really good at linking up um with those around him from wide positions. You think back to last season and what we did so well, it was the interchanging front three that made us so dangerous. And oftentimes it was Jesus that, you know, would go out wide and then be able to um, play his way into the box before, before lashing uh, a shot on goal. So um, yeah, I'm still, I'm I'm still very, um, I'm still, I'm still, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? I'm still, um, of the opinion that Arsenal need a proper striker, um, like a traditional centre forward, like an Ivan Tony, dare I say it, you know, um, who, by the way, scored yesterday Great on his return. As well. So brilliant strike. Yeah. And, mm. you know, so I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. Only time will tell. We've got Nottingham Forest. We've got Liverpool. Those two games will tell us everything we need to know about whether Arsenal are in a title race or not. Um, let's talk about the first goal. Yeah. And before we talk about the actual goal itself, let's talk about the build-up because if Sinchenko doesn't play one of those passes, I think one of the passes of the season for Trossard, mm-hmm. we don't get that corner. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just delightful to watch. Pings it through you know, rips through the middle of the pitch. Trossard manages to keep it in and, and wins a corner from it. But that's what you get with Zinchenko. And that's that's kind of the trade-off that you, you're you going to have to make with someone like Zinchenko. Um, I often feel quite guilty whenever I um, get frustrated with his defenses, defensive lapses because he's so good at those things. Technically speaking, one of the best players in the Premier League and he's just it makes those moments look so Easy. Easy, yeah. Is it time that we see him being deployed in a more advanced position on the pitch? Maybe it's it's a good argument to have, and I've always I've always at least wanted to explore it. Uh, but I think at the moment it's purely down to injuries. I think if Timber comes back, and then you've got Tomiyasu and Ben White and Kivio available, I think I think you might see that. I think that's potentially why we're not sort of linked solidly to like a midfielder at the moment because we'll have party come back as well. I I do think that is potentially the future of, of Zinchenko because he was traditionally always a midfielder um, and he was actually a number 10. So he has the creativity. A number 10, you have to have like our eyes. You have to be able to see things in the back of your head. Um, and that, like you said, that pass, I remember watching it because um, the first half I was upstairs. Unbelievable, unbelievable pass um, to spot him out. And it's like he he already knew he was going to do it, and it's and that's just purely keeping your eyes up before you receive the ball, um, and you can watch him scan, watch him scan, and then he sees it and just passes it, and he reacts on it. He doesn't delay it; he just triggers it straight away. Um, I I, I personally would agree with you, Farron. I I would like to see him at least once, 
at least once, maybe, maybe like against, um, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to see it necessarily against like a city or, or sort of an Aston Villa or anyone like that, because I feel like we need a bit more security in the midfield, say with like a party Rice and Erdegaard, or maybe even have us just purely for the, the, the height in there or Jorginho even to pace it. But with Zinni, I would like to see it explored because like you said, he is so technically gifted. He can do the sort of the hard yards per se. He can do the little finicky bits inside and he's not shy to receive the ball under pressure. So I would like to see it maybe against like um, Sheffield United or, uh, well, I mean, Oracle Palace would have been a great example because, I mean, they haven't won a single game in 10 games. Um, and they're, well, you had their fans protesting yesterday. They're in a bit mm. of dire straits. So, no, I would I, I would agree with you. I'd like to see it. Um, whether we see it, I don't know. But I think maybe it, it's purely gone down to the injuries because what we saw at the start of the season when Timber was fit, Timber was starting. So, and, and Zinni is too good not to really play. So, I think that's maybe something you see. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Arteta's probably cooking up something in his master plan somewhere. Um, and hopefully we can see it. But then going to the goal, that led from the corner. Oh, Gabriel. What, what did someone give him? What was in his drink <laughs> before the game? Like mm-hmm. he was hungry that day. Like I, I was watching him. Um, and mainly in the second half, like him and Mateta, the whole game were just like bickering and pushing each other, mm. shoving each other. He was up for it today. And I think it was Hughes. Um, who had him defend, who was man marking him on um the first goal. And you see he's so sharp, like he he's sort of jolting, jolting, and then when the ball comes in, he's so quick, he jumps straight out, runs around the back, completely unmarked because he gets completely separated from Hughes, runs in it very cleanly, and he knows like not to smash it or anything, just get a touch in it. It's got the pace, get a touch in it. They can't do anything no goalie on earth can save that. It's, it's, it's impossible to save. Um, and I loved it. I, I, the fact that we had a centre-back who was on a hat-trick when when you had the <laughs> previous three games, you had 61 shots and one goal from your strikers, baffled me. I, I literally was like, no way are we about to win because of Gabriel's two goals. And then another Gabriel comes on later and gets another two goals. And then one of them's assisted by, and then the other one, which wasn't scored by Gabriel, was assisted by Gabriel. I was like, Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gab, Gab, Gab. Um, well, the, the the second goal was actually given as an own goal, um, which is quite irritating. Yeah, I didn't want my fantasy I, I didn't quite well. understand. I had Gabriel on my yeah, fantasy. I, I was fuming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I described it as as Gabriel rising like a phoenix from the Arsenal ashes, <laughs> um, heading it home. Because it was so, it would, it would, it was hit with such like vigor. But I think the action itself was the highlight, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to make contact with the ball when you're in the air, but it's getting to the air, which is the hardest part. And the way he does it just epitomizes number one, him as a, as a player, um, how intense he is and how, um, how much desire he has as well in every action that he gives. Yes. He has moments where he fluffs, um, you know, a mistake here and there. He's, a little bit careless maybe, but he is one of those centre-backs that you know 90% of the time he's going to do the right thing, it, it, you know, whether it's a duel, whether it's a mm-hmm. um, 
a 1v1, whether it's winning a ball in the air. Um, he's quite consistent, you know, and... He's coming into yeah, prime as was, well. Yeah, yeah, So that it was, it was, it was really good to see him on the score sheet yet again. Um, and I don't know, I think conversations need to start happening around um, how we keep him for the long run um, because he's still very young. I think he's he's 26, just 26, turned 26. Yeah, I think, yeah, just turned. In December. So, um, yeah, he's still got so much left to give um, to the game. And and I think with, with Saliba, we've definitely got a, a winning partnership there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and again, look, you know, the, the games that we lost, we weren't necessarily um, second best. We weren't necessarily up against it. It was very much our own undoing, which led to those defeats. So um, defensively, we've been sound this season. It's just the fact that, you know, scoring goals has been um, the, you know, the Achilles heel. But I guess on that, Mm -hmm. Arsenal 1-0 up, a familiar place. Um, We know that we're, we're able to score at least one goal and we're quite good at, um, you know, creating chances because after that first goal, we then went on to create a number of different chances. Um, the 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 tempo of the game itself wasn't chaotic, rushed, or frantic, but it was more controlled, mm-hmm. methodical, meaningful. So um, mix that in with confidence and fluidity, and you've got the old Arsenal back of last season. Um, but yeah, you, know, you know, there was another chance straight after scoring that first, where the corner whipped in. Lerma's header this time hits the frame of his own goal. Um, and there was a little bit of a stir in the way that we were moving the ball. At one point, Gabriel was playing as a as a left Wing, winger. Yeah, I saw it that. It was really weird. <laughs> what is that? Do you think that that comes down to tactics? Because it's it's very rare to see Gabriel out on that left-hand side in such an advanced mm-hmm. um, position. It wasn't just that left-wing position. He was also played quite um, far to the touchline as well. I don't know whether that's something that Arteta has just introduced to throw the opposition off. Or what do you think that's down I, to? I've only seen it once before and I said it as a joke. I, I, I think it was a, I can't remember the actual game. I think it was one of the Champions League games. And I joked, I was like, I didn't know Gabriel was a right wing. Um, mm. I think, I think it came from Arteta. I think Arteta said to him, he was like, like, that's what I mean when I said at the start, I think there was more fluidity. They said, just be creative. And, and Gabriel, he must have had his his pre workout or something like that. Like he just wanted the ball all the time. Um, he just wanted to get involved and get stuck in, and he did. And he actually did all right when he was on the left wing. He kept the ball. Yes, he got uh, uh, sort of surrounded, but he kept the ball. Drew a foul, if I believe, um, and just looked comfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you kind of want that. It, it was more like a confidence thing. Like, I, he didn't feel out of. He didn't feel scared. A lot of centre backs, I find. They, because when you think of a centre back, you think they're not very good at their feet. Modern football demands that you are good with your feet because you're under such such high pressure. You need to be able to turn the ball quickly. And I love that. I love that our centre back has the confidence to leave his position, so he has the confidence in his fellow defensive brothers to hold that line, and just to go forward at left wing. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I I, I, lo- I like that. Um, and people go, oh, but it, it, it opens a hole at the back and if they counter it quickly. But they didn't. They didn't because they were completely surrounded. They had Trossard there. You had Erdegaard pushing over. You had Zinni pushing up as well. Like 
they weren't they weren't doing nothing um because it added that fourth body in there. You had you had, had two triangles effectively. Well, we could have four triangles, but that's a, that's another day. Um I liked it. I personally like Gabriel just he seemed up to it today. And I knew the the second he did we did that uh first corner, um, and the way that he died, I was like, he's gonna be up for it today. He's gonna be up for it today. Uh, and I, I think it was even earlier than the the, the framework hit. I think it was around the 20th minute. I remember there was an Erdegaard corner. It it kind of got knocked back into the box. It went deep. Mm-hmm. We went to the back post, got headed across, um, and it was a bit finicky and we got a shot off. I can't remember who took the shot. Um, I think it was I think it was maybe Zinni, but it got blocked. Um, but it just seemed seemed up for it and set piece wise, because I remember I think it was you that mentioned it against Fulham. Um, in a Fulham game, you said sort of the set pieces are are an issue. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you said it was an issue, and it seems to have we've really worked on it again because that that was something that we were very dangerous at. Set pieces are something that that has always been a danger for other teams against us, um, and defensively it was always a worry. Uh, and there was a little bit sort of um, of worry as well, especially on the set piece side, especially towards the end of the game when I think Eze had a really direct free kick, and mm. we just stuffed it out, stuffed it out. Um, but no, honestly, it was um, it was great to see. There was just a lot of confidence. There was a lot of free flowing football going on yesterday, and there was a, you know, the whole point of Arteta's football. People talk about our uh, giga press and all this kind of stuff. It's not. It's not. It, Pep and Arteta have the have the same inspiration, but they're very different because uh, you look at the shapes; they're actually very different. Uh, and the channels is total football. What they play is total football, which was mm-hmm. coined by Johan Cruyff. Um, Johan Cruyff was the manager for Pep Guardiola. That's where he got his inspiration yep. from. Arteta grew up in the Barcelona team that Johan Cruyff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He he set up. So they were both influenced. Yeah, Xavi Alonso yesterday, also the Leverkusen game. Unbelievable game, by the way. That was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he won 3-2 at the end. It was just an insane game. Same style. And it all comes from total football. And it's all about shifting out of position, being comfortable out of position. If you see that your centre-backers have to step forward as a midfielder, you need to step back and fill that role. It, it's as simple as that. You need to be comfortable everywhere on the pitch. And that's something that's done in training. Um, so when they mm. do all those little five-a-side games and we get the picture of the winning team, I'm sure that they shift them. I'm sure they shift them. You have to. You ha- To do title football, it's, it's it's like a brotherhood. You need to have each other's back. You need to know when to fill in some, for someone, when someone needs to go forward and when to press together. And that's what we're seeing. That's simply what we're seeing. We're seeing more attacking, free-flowing football. And that's something that we didn't see in December, we, they, it was too regimented. Don't you, don't you think it was just too regimented? It, it yeah. seemed like we did. We lacked the fluidity and creativity. That's it. Yeah, I think I think that's what I was missing: the freedom and the confidence to just do things um, instinctively. Mm. I think that's the word that I was missing: just going by your instincts. Mm. Um, and it was fascinating to watch us on that left hand side. You know, as well as Gabriel picking up positions, there was also. Uh, interchanging between Zinchenko and Trossard. There was also Havertz coming into play and linking up with them. We often, um, we associate Arsenal's direct and more, I guess the most, their most um, effective attacking route going down the right-hand side. But yesterday was pretty much all down the left-hand side. And, you know, when Martinelli came on as well, it continued, the ball just continued to be threaded into that um, left channel. And, um, but having said that though, 
like I said, it's a familiar story watching Arsenal dominate teams. We're 1-0 up and we're entering the final phase of the second half, of the, of the first half, sorry. Are you beginning to feel a little bit worried because chances are being created? I mean, you know, the there was there was a, yeah, there was a really good opportunity where White put in a beautiful pass um, into Saka. Saka's through on goal. He puts in a low searching ball for Jesus and it's cleared by Richards. So you're thinking, well, moments like that are happening. Palace are, are managing to get their last bodies um, on the line to make sure that we don't get that killer opportunity. Um, and um, yeah, Raya making a meal of a pretty simple clearance. In, in, instead of clearing it, gives it to Lerma um, and that bounce kind of sets him up to, to unleash strike. a stinging strike. Mm. Really good strike and equally a really good save mm. as well. Um, so yeah, what are you thinking in the back of your mind as we're entering kind of the final phase of that first half and still 1-0? Yeah, there were a bit of doubts um, because what we've seen from Arsenal this season, not, not last season, last season we were much more ruthless and more, like you said, I think instinctive and just creative. What I was seeing was that we were creating these chances, but we weren't having that killer edge. We were sort of it looked like we were content and it was actually, it took sort of a moment of brilliance from Gabriel uh, just just with the directness and the pure desire to get that ball that, that ended it. Uh, especially when I saw the ray of clearance, I was like, oh, here we go. I was like, here we go. <laughs> oh no, this is going to be like a 1-1 one, one game and then we're going to stress out and then we're going to struggle to score. But Raya saving that, I think, resonated around the squad. I think if, although he made the mistake, Everyone makes mistakes. It's, it's fine to make a mistake as long as as long as it doesn't is it's not fatal. Do you know what I mean? As long as it's not a stab, a, like a real stab, and he recovered it well. It's a great save, great shot, um, and I think that sort of kind of calmed him down a bit. And then after that, uh, we had well, we just kept getting the ball, kept getting the ball. There was a there were some wayward passes. I know Erdegaard, um, and it's only my sticking point with Erdegaard, and. Well, I think I think we can both agree Erdegaard is probably one of the best tens just in the game at the moment. It's just unreal. He's just so calm in such tricky spaces. He will take three people on and keep the ball at his feet um, and then happily mm. like, whip someone through between the legs. But I feel like sometimes he tries too much to make it fancy. Like, I remember there yeah. was this chance where Saka was on the wing um, and he did an overlap and Erdogan just completely fluffed it. He tried to do like a cheeky little whip it round, did a little back heel and all this kind of stuff when he could have just laid it through on his right foot. Um, he could have literally just tapped it straight through and it would have been a much better pacing, more accurate, um, and it kind of fluffed. And it, it was quite a good chance, but I feel that was my only sort of critique with Erdogan is I feel like sometimes, he's, and he doesn't shoot with his right foot. Like, what, what, what is that? Like there were, moment, there were many chances. I think there was one, I think it was in the second half that he had. And he could have just took up the one, and he, and he tried to get on the, tried to get onto his left. By that time, there's three people on. And you're just like, mate. Sometimes you just need to, even if you miss, if you miss, I don't mind because it's your weak foot, and I completely understand. But you need to understand that you you have no other choice. You have no other choice, realistic choice. So if you keep the ball, you're going to stop the chance. So sometimes I just feel like it needs to be a bit more direct in that sense. But no, there were, there were, there were sort of a little bit of worries. And and I think it was more nerves because of what we saw in December rather than actual, like on paper fact. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, like you said, over those three games, we were better. We weren't sort of being outplayed or anything like that. We were just a better team. We just 
or didn't click like we did today or like we did yesterday. Um, and it was worrying me, but then obviously Gabriel comes in, gets the goal, and once that second goal went in, I knew we won. I, I knew, I knew it was done. I knew it was done for that moment. You could see the players wanted it; they were just hungry and desired, especially in that second half. Chelsea, uh, Palace didn't even get a chance; barely got the ball. Yeah, it, it was a very good, well worked second goal. Um, comes from a corner again. Brilliant ball from Saka. A really good ball from Saka. Yeah, it actually. It's not just a brilliant ball. It's an incredible ball because the ball is whipped in and it's going in one direction and it fools the goalkeeper into thinking it's okay. I don't need to come out and punch it. Mm. Um, because most corners that are taken, they're they're put in they're put into specific zones. And so the goalkeeper has um the choice to make whether he can he needs to come out or not. With this one, it gave you the false sense of security that the ball is actually it's going out. And then it just quickly curls back in. And that curl was so intense that it put it put everyone off. It was and no end, one was like, really expecting it. Yeah, because well. yeah, no one expected it to 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 dip and go into the back post. Um and it seemed like it was it might have actually curled in. If it had a little bit more curl on it, it would have curled into the into the goal. Um but Gabriel heads in, comes off the goalkeeper who's complaining that he's being blocked, but ultimately VAR gives us the goal 2-0 to Arsenal. And um yeah, even after that, there are another there are there are two other good chances. White with a sumptuous ball over the top for Jesus finishes poor. Um, very poor actually and um, the last one with Trossard close range the ball flies over the build up is really nice between him Havertz and Jesus and so that concludes the first half and the first half of the podcast Um, okay, and that sound could only mean one thing. We, um, how, wait, what, how do I, it's been so long since I've said, I've, complete, I've completely forgotten the uh, line. That can only mean what's, one what's thing. Uh, We're at the halfway point. Sum up, rise. Yes. Summarize the word. Yeah. Bloody, 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 blah. You get the drift. Yes. We've now entered the second half of the game. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about three more goals as well as some other stuff as well. well. I don't know. How much more can we talk about with the performance? Because it was quite, um, it was mirrored, wasn't it, from yeah. the first half? It, pretty much the same kind of tempo, the same kind of hunger. I mean, when you're 2-0 up, there is a fear. I mean, they, they, they say, don't they, that... 2-0 up is, is, is the most dangerous yeah. scoreline because um gives you that false sense of security that you, you've done it, you've won the game. But the, if the opposition get one goal, that's it. That's all it takes. Um, but we did look hungry to score more goals in the opening few minutes of that second half. Um, there was, however, an Eze free kick, um, which uh, forced... Raya to oh no there wasn't it wasn't a free kick it was a shot from about twenty five yards out which forced um, Raya into making a save um, Trossard with a glorious chance to score but he couldn't sort his feet out I mean the move starts brilliantly from Raya pings the ball into Havertz he then plays a really intelligent pass into Jesus um, who times his pass to perfection oh, that finds was amazing. Uh, Trossard in the middle of the box. And he just couldn't sort his feet out. And that that I think at that moment I was thinking to myself, oh, that's a glorious chance that you've just missed. Mm -hmm. Could we be looking at that moment? Thankfully, we didn't have to. Um a quick one on Havertz. Did you notice that he was playing out wide um and Saka was playing on the left eight role? 
I was really intrigued by that and I didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. I don't think I've seen definitely. that before. Have you? No. So I think, well, um, well, like, and it goes back to what I was saying uh, at the start, there was, there was just more freedom with, with, with the way that they were playing. There, there wasn't, there weren't regimented roles. I think the whole point of it was to keep the the players guessing because once you start getting sussed out and you know the the what the runs that they make if you make if you get a different player at a different position they just naturally make different runs um so it keeps they they palace had no answer for us they they, they couldn't adapt quick enough um and with with Havertz like he's got the he's actually quite fast to be fair he's actually deceptively quite fast um He's got the height, he's strong. So when he goes in, you've got Saka comes inside. And when you're a centre-back and you've got Saka on you, you're a bit like, mm, kind of get worried a little bit. I think that was purely, I don't think that was that was down to Arteta going, right, you need to go around to the left wing or, or Saka, you need to step inside. I think that was purely down to total football. And that was just them, him telling them to just play with freedom. Play where you believe you need to be. Um and it was just situationship. It was just situations where uh, there was moments where Saka had to uh, was tracking back. Havertz was a bit more advanced, uh, so Havertz stepped out wide, and Saka was tracking was just was just sort of inverting naturally because there was no point in him going out wide because Havertz was already there. Um, so there were, there were there were moments like that. I I don't. And we can sit and go, oh, Artes is an absolute genius for telling. I I don't think it was. I purely think it was down to like you said, the word you said is instinctive instinctive football um and the 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 confidence to go out of position and do that um which is what we want to see more because like i said if you if you shift positions you keep changing keep moving them they make different runs like as a as a fullback let's say for instance you've got trossard on you and he's been making the same runs for 60 minutes, you get a bit more confident about defending those runs. Do you know what I mean? You sort of suss him out. Mm. You're like, right, you've done the same run from uh, on me, the same sort of timings, you you arc it like this, and then you step back and, okay, I've got you sussed. I've got you sussed. Um, which Tommy Asu is amazing at doing that, by the way. Um, just shout out to Tommy. Um, but mm. when, when you switch it and you keep switching it, you don't get a chance to suss anybody out because although you were sussing out Trossard, you've now got to deal with an Erdegaard who stepped out or a Gabriel, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got all sorts of craziness going on and you're trying to, you you, you physically can't process it and, and suss it out quick enough because you've just got too much change going on. And I think that was purely down to Arteta just telling them to go forward. Go forward, be creative. Don't stay, stay regimented because that's, that's what we, I think we, I think hindered us a little bit is Although we were creating chances still, we weren't creating clear-cut chances. We were doing more shots from outside the box and all this kind of stuff. And I think that was a down to we weren't as fluid. We weren't as fluid going in those games. And, and I think one of the worst, one of the best things that sort of me and Adam agreed on, especially, was the pacing of the goes games. They we seemed like we were rushed but never in control. Um, whereas today we were in control of that pace. We dictated how that game went how fast it went, when to speed it up, when to slow it down. And then you had later you had Jorginho come on, the master of it, um, coming on and putting an excellent performance. Um, I think it was great. And there was a lot of talks after the game that he should potentially start um, against Forest, which I wouldn't be too akin to, to be honest. I, th- I think he's a, he's a good player. He's a good player, well, well-paced. Um, but no, I wouldn't read too much into the the habits going out to wide. I think there was it was all over the pitch. You were seeing... 
people out of position all over the pitch. Like, for instance, we just spoke about Gabriel at left wing. Um, you had, I saw, I think it was around the 80th minute when Palace had um, a chance coming forward and it was Gabriel Jesus that came back and dispossessed the ball in a right centre-back role because um, mm. Saliba had to go out wide because Ben White was too advanced. And, and like it was Jesus that came back. Do you know what I mean? It, it, everyone was there for each other. They were all interchanging, interlinking, and, and it keeps you as as a, if you're attacking. Imagine, imagine you're an attacker like your Palace, and you're like, right, I've, I've, if I, I've got this, I've got this ball, I've got Saliba there. Oh wait, it's not Saliba, it's Jesus. So he reacts differently, and Jesus is a lot more. He's a lot, he's a lot quicker. He's a lot. So it's, it's harder to maybe get around him. And he was so clinical yesterday. I mean, look at his stats. He didn't. He literally got all of his passes, all of his tackles right. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's different. It's difficult. And I liked it. And I, and that's what we need to do more. We need more of it. And it comes down to confidence. It comes down to squad depth. It comes down to bringing everyone together. Um, and I think that there was maybe a, a bit of um, a discontent going towards the squad. There was, it seemed like it was going back to sort of the start of Emery where there's like clicks and, packs together but I feel like that trip together really bonded everyone together and you could see on the pitch you can you can see a team like chemistry is so underrated in a team it's it's a joke whereas you go back to when Leicester on the league yes the rest of the league were, weren't that good that year yeah you can talk about that but the fact is Leicester purely based on chemistry and they had some good players yes they had they had Conte they had Mares, and they had Vardy and they had well I mean you could say maybe Wes but it was chemistry it's purely down to chemistry and like a, a sense of brotherhood. Like they really wanted to fight for each other. And they, that makes mm. a huge difference. If you want to be a champion, like look at City, they fight for each other right to the end, right to the end. They never give up. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. That's what you have to do to be, to be a champion. You have to fight for each other. And that's what we're seeing. And I'm, I'm happy about it. And I just hope we can keep doing it. A, a part of me, um, forgive me for, I don't know, raining down on your parade but a part of me feels a little bit um cautious mm -hmm. when looking at this performance in isolation because palace was so poor they were about it was almost as if we were we were we were allowed to um yeah we were allowed to play however we wanted to there was just no competition there was no sense of battling or dueling mm -hmm. it was felt like men against boys at most parts of the game so um i guess what i'm most interested to see is when arsenal are up against it and when arsenal are um needing to be clinical and that has to be the theme of the season so far how clinical can we be when it matters the most when you know you're at home against liverpool you need to close the gap you're having a blinder of a first half um, in a good way. Can you use that in a good way? You can, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having a blinder of a first half? Yeah, you can use, um, it. You can use it a good way. <laughs> when you're having a blinder of a first half and you're generating six or seven shots and you can't score any, that's the moment where you look at each other and you say, right, okay, something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. um, and until I see Arsenal being able to score two from seven, then I can look at us and say, okay, cool. Things have changed. Mm -hmm. We're now ready to mount a serious challenge. Um, but, and, and, at, and at 2-0 up, going into the second half, halfway into the second half, yeah, going into the second half, 10, 15 minutes being played, not scoring a goal, that thought does tend to creep into your mind. But then when you score the third goal, 
you know, it's it's dead and buried. And, and that was a, a beautiful you know, goal, by the way. There's a lot more confidence. It, yeah, it, not only was it a beautiful goal, what, what happened after the goal was even more beautiful because we we were still playing that really attractive football. There was no complacency. Yeah. Everyone was still hungry to score. Um, but that third goal, I mean, you know, you, you said it was a beautiful goal. So why don't you talk us through it um, step by step, how we managed to just, you know, go from one side of the pitch to the other. Classic counter-attack, not even counter-attacking, but... Um, how would you describe that goal? It's more, um, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was just classic Arsenal, you know, that's, that's like what we've sort of become accustomed to know. When I think of like Arteta, when he came in, I remember sort of the, the Chelsea counter-attack goal. I remember one of his first ones, which was when Pepe scored against Man United, like quick, fast, counter-attacking, rapid. And that, that's what, we haven't had that in a while. Like a proper quick, free passes, no messing about goal. Um, it was just beautiful. Mm. It came from um, a huge court, uh, free kick, whips it in, poor delivery, to be honest. Uh, Raya confidently claims it, gets up. And what, what I liked about Raya is that prior to actually picking up the ball, you actually see his head. You see his head shift. And he's like, he's already thinking ahead. He's thinking, oh, I've mm. got this ball. He's counted how many Palace players are in the box and where and where they are positionally. And he's noticed that there was only, I think there was only two of them back only two of them at sort of the halfway so they were they were susceptible for a wide attack he's seen as a step into that and he's just gone straight he's just thrown it straight away uh it's pretty much gone to the halfway line um literally before Jesus gets the ball he's running straight forward he's getting chased down and then as before and I mean if this was a and I don't I had to say it, but if this was like a Saka or Martin Erdegaard recently anyway and just basically evidence what we would have seen they would have taken a touch gone back a step and then tried to work for Jesus has said nope he's gone no 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 I'm getting to close down I'm going to pass it on to someone who's running up for me makes the most delicious pass into the middle impossible to stop the the defender could have done nothing there was nothing they could have done to stop that they could have slid they could have done whatever they want they were not getting that ball it was so perfectly weighted it curved perfectly goes into Trossard Trossard then just puts Klein on absolute toast, um, cuts it inside. Klein can't get his fit. He slips. Uh, and then it's just a one-on-one with a goalie. And he just calmly and confidently smashes it into the top left. That goal like, from free kick to to goal, I think was about 14 seconds. It, it it's, it's, it's not even that. It's 13, 12 seconds from, and it's a matter of three passes. For, uh, two passes, sorry. Rea, Jesus, Jesus, Trossard. Trossard takes three touches. Goal. This is what I miss. Yeah. It was this, a, we need this a more. Very, very impressive and goal. It, and it's something that, and I hate to say it, but, you know, up the road down in Tottenham, they, mm. have, they've been doing it all season. And they're, they're playing some good football. And has been getting them on some, and it's just it's just fast. It's very fast. It's, it's electric. The second they've got the ball from a corner, set pieces, that's when they're most dangerous. And that's when we should be most dangerous. If you're going to commit your players forward, especially these teams like Palace and and, Chef, and the Sheffield, I keep bringing them up, but you know, the ones that are just at the bottom of the table, they look at set pieces as a holy grail opportunity to get a goal. So they commit to it and they commit a lot to it. These are the opportunities where you can absolutely destroy them with, with just some clear, confident football where you're just going straight forward. Don't, don't, over, don't overdo it. Don't take too many touches. Just do it on instinct. Now, if Jesus touched that back when he was getting chased down, we wouldn't have scored that goal. 
But he just said, no, I'm going to put it forward. And if he puts it forward and it gets taken out by a defender, it goes for a corner. It goes for a corner because the pace on the ball, Goldie's not stopping it. Um, it's not stopping that from going out. It's going out for a corner because it can't be Goldie. The player, the defender's not going to pass it back to his Goldie. It's just too hot. So yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Honestly, it's a be- beautiful football. And it's good to see Trossard get his goal as well. Because uh, Trossard was, a, I thought, I thought he had a really good display. I thought he had a really good display. Uh, although Martin only came on and scored two goals, I still think Trossard um, is, is 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 still up there. Whether you have Trossard or Martinelli, I'm happy with both of them. Like you said at the start of the pod, it doesn't really matter who we play because everyone is good enough. If that makes sense, you know. There, there's maybe one or two players who might not be at the level anymore, uh, or haven't sort of proven themselves at that level yet. I'm happy with everyone. I'm happy with everyone that plays, whether it's Trossard or Martinelli. Um, but I think Trossard coming on, getting his goal, solidifying that because he was he was excellent. He was excellent today. He he knew when to push forward. He knew when to make the right passes. He knew when to draw people out. Um, and it was good to see him get on the score sheet as well because he he, he deserved it. He did he did deserve it. And I know the Martinelli two goals will will completely gloss over his performance, but I, I think he does deserve a shout out. Yeah. Well. Uh, Maybe it's a good um, a good point for us to talk about Martinelli. I mean, after scoring that goal, um, we do make a few substitutions. So Trossard and Havertz come off for Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe, mm-hmm. two of my favourite substitutions so far this season. If you want to look at um, a combination of subs that just work so well, those two, brilliant, you know, um, two players like for like, Maybe, maybe some some might argue um, an an improvement on mm-hmm. on Trossard and well, have, the same have, sort of height. Habits, you know, and yeah. deceptively tall. People don't realize how tall he is. He's he's literally like six foot two. Um, and so yeah, I, I guess I was, I was just gonna oh. say I guess what what was was the, the the difference between Havertz and Emil Smith Rowe? Very, it just comes down to defensive capabilities. I think anyway, I think Havertz is just far more set up to just be. Um, better at tracking back, better at, you know, intercepting, whereas Emil Smith-Rowe is just far better technically. He's more exciting when he's attacking. He's more capable of scoring goals with his foot. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, again, two players who have contrasting differences but complement each other. And that's the case with Arsenal so far. Injuries aside, if Arsenal have a fully fit squad, which is in an ideal world, um, you know, you're, you're... It'll be it'll be amazing to have, but uh, the reality is m- most teams are going to suffer injuries throughout mm-hmm. the season. Um, but w- with a fully fit squad, fully fit squad, I think Arsenal have pound for pound the best squad in the Premier League. I'd, I'd agree. Controversial to say, I'd, but no, I, I agree. think so. I'd agree, and I don't think that's controversial to say. Yeah. I think I think you're dead on. Like when you go to matchups, they're just it's well set up. I mean. You've got, yeah, you could go to City and you say they've got Kyle Walker on the right and that's probably where they, they I would take Kyle Walker over Ben White 100%. But then you go to centre-back, the best partnership in my opinion, although people say John uh, Stones and Diaz, people don't realise Rodri's actually monumentous for their defensive record. Um, mm. And when they when he wasn't playing, that's when they were losing games. So um, it comes down to Rodri. Uh, when you've got dependent shot, Saliba, Gabriel, I think is the best partnership in the league. I don't think that's controversial to say. I shouldn't yep. be. Um, and if people say who it is, I don't think they're watching us. Um, you've got Rice, Party. When Party's back and fit, that that and, and Erdegaard, I think that's the best midfield. The only one I maybe is City because De Bruyne is is class is is that good that mm-hmm. it might have it. I think because De Bruyne is just a, a, a ridiculous player. Like I remember when I saw that pass to Oscar Bob, 
and the fact that from aerially you yeah. can even see it you can even see it aerially mm. when he made it and I was like that's just crazy um, but I think you're right I think you're right I mean pound to pound um, with the starting 11 per se I think yeah. it's stronger I think we're stronger the only thing yeah. we lack I, is a striker I, I, I was- as a squad, I just think as a squad, we're just far better suited than any other team. We've got the chemistry that well. we have, the the, the the type of football that we're able to play, the, yeah, and just the options that we have as well. Um, on and off the pitch, yeah. Um, but yeah, talking of uh, young Martinelli, comes on, good energy um, in the opening minute, just very, very kind of chaotic, the kind of runs that we're familiar with. Um, seeing him make running in lines, um, but did you sense um, some hesitation from him? Because I noticed that he was he was he was quite nervous making those um, cutbacks that he tends to do. You know, when he's driving into the box and then he decides to cut inside, maybe have a shot. Um, maybe put a ball into the box. I felt like there were far too many runs where it was straight, direct, and he was trying to go down the byline before releasing um, a cross. And understandable because he's playing, you know, he would have been playing under a, a, quite a bit of pressure, knowing that, you know, he's been benched for the first time in a while, knowing that Trossard, his teammate, who he's going to be competing with has just scored as well. Um, so despite coming on with such good energy, I just felt like there was a bit of um, rustiness and maybe there was a bit of pressure that he was putting himself under. I think I think you're right with the pressure. I, I I would I would argue that it's not rustiness. I would argue that that's game that's sitting in the the the, the video room, the tape room, studying play. Because when you look at him statistically, mm. he's much more successful when he goes down the byline. And if you go back to the Liverpool game, even the two times he put Trent mm. on toast down the byline uh, and also going down the byline, it stretches them out because when you cut inside again, you don't have that wide option. No, no one. Zinni is not overlapping. He's he's inverted. He's, he's not overlapping you. So you're not going to have the outside support. So you need to go down the byline because then what I noticed, especially in Liverpool, when he got dispossessed, that whole that whole flank was open. We were exposed completely. So you need to keep your width on that side. And I think that comes down to, I think that comes down to game film. I think the coaches have sat down with him and said, look, Martinelli, like you're better going down the byline. Um, he can cut in. Uh, and I'm not, I, I don't mind him cutting in if, if it's, if it's the right decision, but I feel like sometimes he forces it. Uh, and like you said, I think he put his own pressure definitely over December because he wasn't scoring. And I think he really pressured himself to score. And he would try and force things that weren't there. But like you said, Trossard scored and he went, right, I'm just going to probably stick to the game plan. Just stick to the game plan, trusted in the manager's words and the coaches went down the byline. And that's when he got his most, most of his, his success. He went down the byline. By, I think he got round the players like three times in like eight minutes and, and putting mm. crosses into the box that got hit out. Uh, unfortunately, none of them sort of converted. And then he had his moments where he ran straight down the byline or outside. Instead of say the byline, let's say outside the defender on both of the goals. They were carbon copies. I mean, the first one, Edin and Ketia pass was just beautiful, beautifully weighted, beautifully timed, pierced the line. Um, Martin came in and you could say scuff shot. I think he he definitely meant to do that shot. Yes, but he 
probably didn't do it like that. And then the second time, like you said earlier, just confident, calm, knew exactly what he was doing. That was a, that was an Henri-esque goal. Both of those goals were so Henri-esque. I literally watched them, especially back in the highlights when you could see it at that view. That rem- don't know what mm. that reminded me of, especially that first one, Henri uh, against um, Leeds, FA Cup. Leeds, yeah, FA Cup. It, it, yeah. Watch, watch that goal next to each other, especially from that pass from Medellin and Ketia, mm. the way it splits. The only difference is, is obviously Leeds were further back. They weren't, Crystal Palace were a lot more advanced. Carbon copy, carbon copy goal. Um, and then the second one, again, Jorginho, uh, this guy needs to get his praise. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Um, I thought he did excellent. Um, and we've said this over time. I know Adam's a massive advocate for, for Jorginho and I would agree with him on this. He is an excellent pacer of the ball. Like he, he, because of his experience, he fully understands when to slow a game down mm-hmm. and when to speed it up. Um, like when, when you look at that goal, uh, to the Martinelli pass, watch his eyes before he receives, before he receives it. He, he has a quick scan. He looks where the, the center backs and the, the back line is. And he has a look how many ball P players are in front of the ball. And then he, mm. and then he he's already had eyes on Martinelli. Um and you see him turn, he looks straight up and he he's instinctive, doesn't re, doesn't hesitate, just pops it straight out. Um and it's a beautiful pass. Beautiful pass, well weighted. And Martin does the same thing, runs straight outside his, his player, um, cuts in on one foot, boom. That's it. And then and then put, finishes it in calmly and confidently. And I think for both Trossard and Martinelli, I like that there's a bit of it. I feel like there's I feel like there's a bit of like a bit of banter, a bit of in-house competition going on between them two. But the thing about Trossard and Martinelli, they don't necessarily step on each other's toes because Trossard is a very versatile player who can come in at nine. Um mm. he, he can come in anywhere really, he can maybe play in even at a ten uh, or a left eight. He, he has that sort of ability. Left eight less so, because he more of a height issue. Um yeah, but they don't really step on each other's toes. But I feel like I, do you know what I mean? I felt like they they were sort of tallying scores, and I bet at the end of the game they were like, uh, oh, good, good goal, mate." But uh, did you check my two, you know? Like I, I feel like they, mm. it felt like there was like there's like the in like in house banter, which is what you need. You need that. You need sort of a friendly competition within a team uh, to to get the best out of each other. And um, yeah, like you said, I think Martin came on with his own pressure, but. With with an understanding of the situation of the game, and he understood on a statistical basis that he's actually just better on the byline, and I think he just stayed with it, and, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. It, you, I mean, you could definitely see the relief on his face after scoring that first. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, just that you know slow paced celebration that you know. Whew. And the second one was um, like, "I'm back." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, um, okay, cool. So that's uh, Martinelli. Um, hopefully back at his best. Alongside him came on um, Emil Smith-Rowe. And for a very, very long time, the almost player, the, um, you know, one kind of inch away from perfection. He looked really settled coming in on the pitch, in the middle of the pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, Moved with the ball really nicely. Touches were really good as well almost set himself up for an opportunity on goal. How close is he from a start? And do you think questions need to be asked about whether we start him over Havertz? Um, Because 
at this point, I don't know what more we're waiting for uh, to see this guy start football games. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Havertz, he hasn't really done much yet. I mean, he had that little stint. He had that stint where he had the goals and they were they were crucial. Um, but we know what Smith Rowe can do. We we fully well know. Whereas even with Havertz, we never really knew what he could do because he never really proved it in the Prem. Um, we know Smith Rowe can do it. He's done it in big occasions like North London Derby, for instance. He can handle the pressure. We've got a game against Forest coming up. And I don't think it's that risky to start Smith Rowe over Havertz. And now that's not to say that Havertz deserves, which I, ju- I just think on a on a purely exploratory basis, if you start Smith Rowe, I don't think that's going to hinder or or cause us a loss, you know? Mm. So I think why do you not experiment with Smith Rowe starting and then bring Havertz on as a sub? And then what you do is you counter those because Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace are just, as, I'd say they're, they're, they're sort of level powering with each other. Crystal Palace are in a very bad rut at the moment though. Um, they're definitely playing worse. And I mean, even Nottingham Forest yesterday against Brentford, they were playing well, but even Brentford have had a bad run. But Brentford now have Tony back and they look a bit like themselves where they're like sort of top half of the table. Well, the, the other top half of the table, not no longer sort of relegation battle. Um, I I would not I would love to see I would love to see and it's biased as well uh, because just a higher lender but I would love to see Smith Rowe starting against Forest and then what you do is you weigh up the two and you see who had a better performance who do you trust more but what I don't want to see is Havertz starting and then on the 80th minute you you bring Smith Rowe on to only get 10 minutes Smith Rowe I feel like he's had his two little short runs I know I know Arteta is very um. He's very methodical at how he brings injured players back into the team. He likes to pace them. He likes to put them in slowly and steadily, drop 10 minutes in here, 20 minutes in there. Because I think it was, um, was it the West Ham game where he came on for like 10 minutes or five minutes sort of at the end? Or was it Fulham? I can't remember. I think it was Fulham. It was a Fulham game. Uh, and he came out and he had like no time at all to do anything. But yeah. But then, then yesterday he had like 20 minutes, a bit more time to do something. Um, and then you go into Nottingham Forest. I think you should start him. And then, and then you weigh up the two options for, for, for Liverpool really, because I think like Liverpool as well is a home game. And mm-hmm. the biggest cheer of the day was when Smith Rowe came yeah. on. Yeah. That, that, that I can tell you when Smith Rowe came on, that was the biggest cheer of the day. Um, so he's loved. He's, a, he's absolutely loved by the club uh, and by the fans and if you get him on and, and he starts doing good performances and you start getting the Sakura get sung again it creates atmosphere <laughs> yeah. it creates a lot it creates good buzz around the team whereas Kai Havertz I mean don't get me wrong so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hey, hey, waka, waka, hey. I love it love it fiend <laughs> it but we don't get we don't yeah. get to sing it enough because he doesn't shoot enough and he's not direct enough uh, whereas Smith Rowe like you said I think on a, going forward he's so much more direct um, he loves to, he loves to to participate on assists or goals. He wants to get on the score sheet. Uh, but I do agree with you that Havertz is probably on a defensive side is a lot better. But I'm hoping if we can get sort of a party back in time uh, for the Liverpool game, I think potentially do we um, do we start party get Rice in there 
and, and Erdegaard or do we we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see or do we bring party on towards the end of the game I don't know but I, I would agree with you I would like to see Smith-Rowe I think he he should start not not because we, we can say oh well, he, he's having a great time but we just know what he can do and what's the what's the mm-hmm. I don't think there's a much of a drop in Havertz or, or Smith-Rowe um, even like a bad Smith-Rowe there's no risk and I wouldn't say there's I know it's, it's scary to say there's no risk in a Premier League, but against Nottingham Forest, I don't think that left eight position is going to be the difference where we win or lose. If it's centre-back, if it's full-back, if it's striker, different story, different story. But left eight, I think with Smith-Rowe or, or Havertz, we'll still win if the rest of the team is what it was against Palace. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, he's definitely... No, I just... Of all the players that we have... And for most of the players on the pitch, I have <clears throat> complete trust in. I think they're all. Most of them are are capable of um, performing at their best. There are very few players at Arsenal who I look at and think, "Oh, you know, not too sure about him." Um, you've got Kivior, you've got Vieira. Um, I don't know anyone else really who I look at and I think, in Katia, sorry, in my opinion anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the, the ones at the top, the ones at the... Say that again, Vieira, did you say? Yeah, yeah, no, I mentioned Vieira. Oh, yeah. sorry. I, um, yeah. But the ones at the very top, it, I, I, I would put Emil Smith-Rowe right at the very top. Like sitting alongside Odegaard, sitting alongside Declan Rice and William Saliba. And the reason why is because he has so much composure. He has so much natural ability that he doesn't need confidence to perform well. Most players need confidence in order to, you know, have um, the ability to kiss the ball in a uh, convincing kind of way. He doesn't need it. It just mm. it just naturally comes off him. So he doesn't need to have many minutes on the pitch to look sharp. He just is sharp. You know, you. he doesn't need those the first few touches in order to bed himself into the game. It's just for him, it's, it's, it's as if, you know, the football language is is synonymous with every part of his body. Um, and that's why he needs more minutes. That's why he needs to play. And that's why Arsenal, it will be, be disastrous for him to go anywhere else because he's got that much potential. If, and, 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 you know, this is where someone like Unai Emery needs to be given the praise that he deserves because he noticed these things about players like him and Saka. He immediately identified them as gems, brought them in and the rest is history. And if there's one criticism that I give Arteta is that he's too hesitant. He's too hesitant to go with his gut instinct. He needs to recognize these things a lot quicker than he actually does. Yes, it's nice to have beautifully crafted, expensive, luxurious players like Declan Rice, like William Saliba. Saliba, for one, had to force himself back into the team. But when you've got someone like Emil Smith-Rowe, you need to be giving him the minutes he deserves because not, o- not only is he an asset um, to the club, he's an asset to the fans, he's an asset to um, the pitch, to the football, mm-hmm. you know, as itself. He will get goals. Give him enough minutes, he will get goals. He Almost every time he comes on the pitch, he always creates an opportunity for himself. There's always either a shot on target or an opportunity where he's in the box and he's picked up the ball and he could have released a shot, but he doesn't. So 
Yeah, I've really, I'm really itching to see him have his first 90 minutes. And I think when that happens, we will be, you know, singing his praises and mm. hopefully talking about a goal or an assist or something I like that. Think as well, um, sorry, I just wanted to say, yeah. like, when you're talking about Arteta with sort of his gut, I think as well, one thing he struggles with compared to Unemri, Unemri was never adverse to taking a risk. Um, mm. Whereas, and, and, now we've seen us get knocked out of the two cups, uh, which are the opportunities for the youth players. And we've got five youth players, two definitely, or three, I would say, one of them's on loan, Charlie Patino, two mm. that are in the club that are going to play f- for our first team. I'm, I'm telling you now, they will play for the first team because they are that good. And if they don't play for the first team, it's because Arteta hasn't played them enough and they've gone elsewhere. I'm telling you that now. That's Ethan Oaneri and that's Miles Lewis-Kelly. Those two players are absolute bowlers. They are gems that we need to treasure and we need to get them integrated into the squad immediately. I think it was um, Miles Lewis-Kelly over to Bison. He wants to integrate himself into the squad this season. And wow. the, the best time he to have done it would have been the cup. Would have been the cup. But he, like you said, he mm. didn't... I, tell you, I didn't want to take the risk. He put the experienced players in who were, were tired or only not played not long ago. I feel like on the cup games, if you put the youth players in, they play out their skin. But that's one thing Unai was really good at. He was, he, he, like you said, he identified Saki, he identified Smith Rowe, he, he gave Nelson um, again chances or put him on loan. Um, he, he's not adverse to putting putting chances people. I mean, it's what you have to do. This is what you have to do. And when you've got an academy like Arsenal, you have good talent there. You don't need, like as last thing I said, I'm sorry it didn't cost 50 million, you know. Don't have to always mm-hmm. buy a player mm-hmm. if you have a good player with you, as long as you nurture them. And I think the, I can never remember the key quote, Barcelona, but it's along the lines of, with the youth, it's not about winning. Winning isn't the main important thing, but it's about giving them the the belief and confidence that they can go forward or they can achieve. Because when they have the belief and confidence in themselves and from the manager, that's when they... That's when they go for it. That's when they're like, right, I'm I'm getting... Because when they're young, they're hungry, they're fast, they're energetic. That's when you really get the best out of them. Um, and that's... Well, I mean, when you're talking about youth players, bringing them in, you, Arsene Wenger was probably one of the best at it. Even though he was keeping top four consistently, he was doing it with youth players every now and like dropping them in, dropping them in, dropping them in. And he knew when to do it. Arteta's learning that part of the game. He's not there yet. I mean, Arsene Wenger had... We did he did it years? He had to do it in Japan before he came to us. He was putting in youth players left, right, and centre. He was doing it in France, um, and then he came over to Arsenal, and then he bought some players in, and then he integrated it with some of the youth that we had, like sort of the, the, the Nicholas and Elkers bringing in, like getting some key players, young players, and then we had like the youth players coming up as well. So it's uh, it's something that Arteta needs to put definitely needs to implement going forward. And if he doesn't do it we're going to lose these players and it's going to feel heartbreaking for the fans. It's going to be heartbreaking for the fans because I would I would agree with you. Like I love Emerson Fro. If he goes, I know, you know, I would like to assume I can speak for you in this regard. He will go and smash it. Like wherever he goes, he, yeah, will, he, will, he will smash it. He'll do a surge of Gnabry. We'll all be like, why did we sell him? And it will be for a crap fee because we know we'll do it for a crap fee. We couldn't even sell bloody ice in the <laughs> desert, mate. Um, it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, he'll probably go for like 30 million if we sold him when he's worth like easily 70, 60, like for, considering yeah. his age, it's ridiculous. So yeah, that's what yeah. I wanted to say on that regard anyway. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 fine. Yeah. Um, just finally then, um, Eddie Nketiah comes on with 10 minutes to go, provides an assist. But I thought, 
Eddie was going to play out of his skin. I thought that he was really going to try and not only maybe play for a move to Palace, but also prove to at least both teams his worth. Um, now he saw Palace playing well, when I didn't get involved. <laughs> do, you, do you think there wasn't enough time for him to really have a go? I mean, there was that one opportunity where um, lovely move with, from us, uh, beautiful pass from from Odegaard into Enketia, and he kind of just fumbles. He just, mm-hmm. I don't know, minimal pressure, and he just stops. And at that point, I'm just looking at him thinking, you know, there was your chance really to to, to steal the headlines. I mean, and I, I, you I, haven't. I, I didn't care. I'm not going to break. I mean, he was on for 10 minutes and got an assist. I, I, I don't know what more you want from a player. He got involved. He created a chance. It was mm. a goal. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of him shooting, how many how many of our strikers had shots? It, 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 it was yeah. just not how we were playing that game. I mean, like, you could, Jesus, he wasn't really getting any shots. Um, it's just not really how we play. It's more about the striker bringing in the wingers. Um I, I I can't break. I mean, yes, maybe we would have loved to have seen Eddie goal, um, but it, 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 he created one. You know, he had ten minutes and mm. created a goal. I, I I don't know. I don't know what more you you want from a player um, who can come in. It. Well, I won't say change the game because we thought we were bloody like three 0 up. Um, but do you know what I mean? Well, I don't know. Maybe just a little bit more. Maybe just mm. a little bit more in terms of the the intensity. In terms of the just trying to play out. F- from your skin is, it, is that the way you say it or is it playing out of your skin it's of isn't it yeah I, I've just felt like Eddie just was just far too casual and everything you know you put everything into context here is a young man who this whole window has just been speculations about him moving away there's been question marks about you know how much he's involved in Arteta set up in the future and with um with the with the demand being so high for a striker at Arsenal, surely you utilize every second on the pitch to try and, you know, just yeah, just 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 to try and ease the situation a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I'd, I don't know. honestly I I mean I, to be fair, where from where I was viewing, um he was more towards the other side of the pitch because I was quite low at that stage. I was in block 25. Um, so I couldn't see, but well, what I saw from me, like, the, there was, speaking to the wrong guy. Yeah, because I remember I did, see, I did see a big, <laughs> I did see him make some runs again though. Um, and I think it was, um, oh, I can't remember who it was who didn't make the pass, but there were a couple of runs and even next to me, I could hear people going, oh, that was a good run for Medi. Like, he mm. makes so many runs, he just doesn't get spotted on him. It's because he makes different runs. I mean, like Jesus was making loads of them as well. But Jesus and the offside flag is like a marriage. They're just they're just yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. constantly like a thing. Um, so I feel like they they're they're hesitant yeah. because of Jesus constantly being offside. They're hesitant to make that thing. But if you go mm. back and watch Eddie and Katie's runs, he's very good at them. He is very very good. He arcs it perfectly. He knows when to break. He made two. I can remember the one that I remember was I think it was around the eighty sixth minute, um, or, or around that mark. Um, and it, he would have been through. He would have been straight through. If Jorginho pops that over the top, it would have been straight through. Mm. Um, and, and it just wasn't seen. It, ju- it just wasn't seen. Um, and then when he does get the ball, he runs straight, goes north, south, vertically. And then Martinelli overlaps. He perfectly weights the ball. 
I mean, yeah, I would love to see him score, but I I can't break the performance. I mean, if you're coming mm. in and you're 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 participating to a goal, if 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 say for instance Martinelli was there and he fluffed the pass, or like tried to take it himself and the better option was there, think about Eddie. Like he doesn't really make the wrong decision. He might not execute it, but he makes mm-hmm. the right decisions. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like I feel like if Jesus was in that situation, he would. He would because it would be like four 0 up. He's probably thinking, "I want to get a goal." He might have probably tried to shoot or turn or something like that. But Eddie just knew he had to play him through because he, he says that there's three centre backs right in front of him, and he laid him out. And uh, yeah, it was just a beautiful way to pass straight behind the fullback, and Martin Lee was straight through. Yeah, it was. It really was a really really nice. And you're not going to be a staunch um, defender, of Eddie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought I'd you know try my try my luck. Um anyway, good stuff. Uh so it's that time of the show again where we must say goodbye. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very, very much. If you did enjoy this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you thought of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us over there at Arsenal Therapy. You can also find Adam over there at Adam Keys underscore. Monty at ATP Monty and you can find myself over there at Gunner since 96. As always, we will be back next week to give you your usual weekly dose of Arsenal therapy. But if you can't wait until then, make sure to head over to the Arsenal Therapy YouTube channel for the 15 minute show and the preview show. Um, So until then, take care, have yourselves a lovely week and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye bye.